Welcome to the Strength Matters Podcast, episode 14. Welcome to the... What's up with your voice? What's going on? That was into the shelves. Stop it. Welcome to the Strength Matters Podcast, where it's all about health, fitness, nutrition, movement, rehabilitation, your stories, and everything else in between. And taking you through this epic journey, your hosts, the lovers of lifting heavy things, Seb and Josh. What? <laughs> Welcome to Strength Matters Podcast. This guys. is a podcast. The only source of quality information you need for your journey to becoming mega. I am Seb Morgan and he is... Josh Kennedy. Happy Can you day. speak, Seb? You're all right. Shut up, you fool. Uh, <laughs> we want to welcome all our regular and um, dedicated and followers and listeners who have stuck with us from the beginning and all those who are new to us. Welcome. We hope you do enjoy, guys. Um, and also, Seb doesn't usually sound like this do you want a glass of water no i'm fine i'm fine do you want a bandage for your face not one of your more effective weapons the pen there mate (laughs) it's not Uh, we want to welcome everybody to the strength matters podcast Uh, if you've been with us for quite a while guys you know about the type of stuff we talk about but if you aren't new to us you can go to all our past episodes on itunes on stitcher on soundcloud and of course on the kettlebell fever website kettlebellfever.com where you can see all our past episodes 1 through 13 13 13 awesome and lucky for you Ow, 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 ow. That's enough. I'm gonna I'm gonna report you to the NSPCC. Can I be still be classed as a child? Well, height, I'm the yeah. height of a child, I was gonna say, so whether I can still be classed. And I don't we have know. a breakdown of all the content in those informations, guys. So yes, do enjoy. And again, thank you very much for all your reviews. Very kind reviews that you've been leaving. That's us some on great iTunes. ones recently, haven't we? That's some lovely ones, yeah. Really good. Thanks so thank you very much for that. That's awesome. Awesome. What else? Triathlon. That's what I wanted to talk about. That uh, the triathlon. Oh yeah, hey, if um if you listen to this podcast, guys, it's probably been a few weeks now since this came out in the news or the newspapers. I noticed it on the newspapers. But a young lad, for, well, I tell you what, this is the start of it. I, I heard a story years ago, quite a few years ago, about a father. A father and son, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, the father and son team who competed in triathlon, specifically the Ironman. And it's, it's quite an emotional story, and it talks about how, um, the how, how do you say this? The, the boy was... He was well. He was wheelchair bound, wasn't he? I don't know what uh, yeah, what problems he, he, he had. Yeah, he, I, I see. I don't know. I don't know much about these things, as you probably guess from our past podcast. But basically, <laughs> he couldn't communicate vocally. Yeah, he, he wasn't able to move his body see, very well. Very yeah. well, and he he was wheelchair bound yeah, basically. He was, yeah. And the only way he could communicate was through blinking through a computer device. So it, yeah, that, so he might have been maybe to, he could somehow talk through the computer. Yeah, was it? yeah. that's the story I heard. Anyway, um, I think it was something like. You know, the, the, someone was asking, you know, what what does he want or whatever? And he used to watch sports on the TV or something. And I think it was, I, I, may, be, like, I may be getting confused with the story. And also, anyway, I wanted to feel alive. He, I wanted to do something. I wanted yeah, to Yeah, he wanted to get outside. He wanted yeah, to do, run do somewhere, didn't he? Yeah. And basically, and the long story short is, the father, the story is, the father took the boy on a, a, tri- a triathlon. He... Put him in a little dinghy, Ding, dinghy and yeah. swam with him being attached. He pushed, he, he cycled with him on a special bike adapted to carry his grown adult son and then ran with him on a, uh, well, a wheelchair. Uh, yeah, now, pushed I was, him in the wheelchair. Yeah, I thought this is a beautiful story. It's a great story, but I always thought it was a story until I saw a video on Facebook yeah. where a gentleman is swimming with his son in a dinghy. Then he carries him and transfers him onto a bike and then carries him and transfers him into a wheelchair. And the video video is still on Facebook, it was on YouTube, you look for it, just, you know, put in the word searches, uh, and at the end, tell us, it's fantastic, at the end, it's in night time, the father is sprinting down this last sprint, maybe 50 to 100 metres, he is pegging it, he's overtaking normal runners, you know, runners yeah. who are not pulling, pushing, and carrying other people, and the son is in the wheelchair, and if you notice, he is holding his yeah, arm he's up. he's beaming, isn't he? Yeah. Absolutely but beaming. His, what I take from that is his arm is extended right into the sky, and across yeah. the finishing line, and a lot of champagne and stuff or whatever is being sprayed over the young lad, and his arm is still up, and the boy is celebrating, it's a great video. Anyway, in the paper this week, 
The same story is being featured in the paper, but with a bit of a twi- uh, difference. It's not a father and a son. It's a young boy who He's is... eight years old. Eight years old. And what he did with his... I can't remember if maybe... Six-year-old brother. Six-year-old yep. brother, younger brother, who is in the same circumstances as the, the gentleman I told you about just now. So he swims with the young boy in a dinghy for how far? Uh, 200 metres. I think meters it was an swim. open swim. Open, open water. swim, 200 yep. metres, pulling his younger brother in a dinghy. Um, he cycles for three miles with him on a, a specialised bike. Yep. And then runs with him in a, a wheelchair. Yeah, such. but it's sort of, sort of a wheelchair, yep. For about a mile. Pushes him for a mile in a wheelchair, yep. So, so a, know, a, a mini little kids triathlon. A mini kids triathlon. And again, a true demonstration of strength right but there, guys. absolutely awesome. Check it, it out on the internet. Have a look into it. I think it's a fantastic stories. Thank you for everybody sending in your photos, your hashtag strength matters photos on Instagram and the... Kettlebell Fever Facebook page, KB Fever. We got some great pictures of Kieran. Kieran McDonald yes. sent us pictures of him working with the Irish Wheelchair Association. That's Thanks, Kieran. Thanks a lot. Send us some more, pal. Absolutely. I've got a little, uh, before we move on, we talk about the uh, Strength Matters Summit coming up in November. I've got uh, a magazine, a little sports magazine that I got for free at the tube station this morning. And there's a little gadget. Uh, you don't like this. I think this is really cool. Well, I don't, uh, not so much don't like it. I just don't get it. You don't get it. So basically, I think it's a, it's a cup of some, some sort, a, a big, tall, uh, it's called a vessel. Uh, and they describe it as the holy grail for the health conscious. Basically, you get this, uh, you get this cup, and you pour your drink into it, be that water or coke or tea or coffee, and it actually detects and tells you what it is uh, without you, you know, no sort of program or anything. You just literally you pour your drink into it, and it tells you what it is. It tells you the uh, the number of calories, uh, the your your calorie intake for the for the day. Um, basically, you can put your protein shakes in there. Basically, it tracks. Everything, like as if by magic, some sort of witchcraft, I think. Do you want to know what I think of that, though? I mean, if I'm pouring some sort of drink into a cup that tells me what it is, I kind of know what it is already (laughs) because I'm holding the drink in my hand. Yes, I know you do. I know you do. But it can track your calories throughout the day. And, you know, obviously... I'll just have a look at the label. And it's a hell to calories. Oh, all right. Anyway, I thought it was cool. Moving on. Strength matters. If I've made a cup of tea, I don't need to pour into a a, a mechanical (laughs) cup that says, you, Seb, are drinking a cup of tea. I know! I'm drinking a cup of tea. Are you sure you know? Because you're pretty thick. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. Strength Matters Summit. November, yes. Strength Matters Summit. They're on. Good about it for quite a while. Tickets are now available. They Go are. Day attend. tickets are available. Day tickets. Day tickets are available as well as the whole weekend. Plus, Absolutely. Plus the extra special day with. Perry Nicholson. Who is going through his Primal Patterns workshop, guys. Something I highly recommend you do. Go to the website. Attend. You really. Shut Ow. Go to the strength attend strengthmatters.com <laughs> to find out more. Um, it's going to be well worth it. The list of speakers, the full list of speakers is up. Um, some great guys Ben Coomba, Coomba, <laughs> Perry Nicholson, um, Ray Edwards, MBE. Absolutely. Uh, uh, isn't that MJ Nutrition as well? Is that right, James? Yep. Who else? Frank? Shout. Roger McCarthy, Roger McCarthy, Fran Schneidman, Fran is coming. Yep, Andrew right. Reed, Andrew Reed. Oh, awesome. the list goes on and on. Awesome, absolutely mega. So that is that. Um, we've been speaking about the Strength Matters magazine a little bit, or the newsletter. Over the last few episodes, we can reveal a little bit more into the magazine. So, in a, one of our past ep- podcasts, we did explain that the most recent. Um, What's it called? Newsletter. That's, That's it. Now is the last. <laughs> we now have the Strength Matters magazine. It is going to be in a September release. This magazine is going to have regular featured writers. Are we allowed to mention who some of those are? Not yet. Not, Not yet. yet. We can't tell you, but there will be a video, or there is a video, on the uh, Kettlebell Fever website. You can go and check it out, and it will tell you a little bit more about the Strength Matters magazine. Now, one of the best things about this magazine, though, guys, is, Josh, that little magazine you got, for, and it was a free magazine from the tube, yeah? It was, yep, so yep. It's a, it well, let's have a look. It's a sports magazine, okay? It's got some adverts in there. So it's a sports magazine, and there's adverts for a razor, there's adverts for a camera, adverts for a car, yep. another one for a car, a laptop. Yep. Uh, I think there's even adverts for alcohol in here, Yes, there is, yes. Okay, and all that yep. stuff. So basically um, they go on and on, but not not mentioning that, any names, but there was a magazine, a health and fitness magazine that had, what, 170 what, pages? Stop okay, a, sorry. A leading, uh, oh, one of the leading, country's right. most leading health Very and fitness popular. and lifestyle magazines, which includes over 170-odd pages, pages. And about 86 
advert pages, wasn't it? Uh, 86. It, uh, over 80 pages of those were adverts for aftershave, suits, watches, watches cars, yep. high-class cars. And you know, just like you're, you're paying for other people's advertising space. Yep. So basically what we're saying is the Strength Matters magazine is going to be a cut above and we are not going to have any adverts. All the content is going to be top quality content from start to finish. No adverts relevant to you guys no wasting time no wasting pages anyway so let's crack on with our interview today we're going to be speaking to one fantastic awesome sounding guy called brett he has jones. a great voice hasn't he? Great much better voice. than yours brett jones is one of the original well he's one of the older serving masters in the strong first kettlebell community he is one of the senior and highest guys regarding fms the functional movement screen very close and personal friends with gray cook one of the co-creators of fms MS. Um, what was this about Brett? He's a, he's a certified strength and conditioning coach as well. And yep. He's, he's just got some great. He's just an awesome guy, isn't he? Things. Really? There was something else I can't remember what. Ah, oh, do you know what? You just have to listen. Just to listen, out, listen in. So anyway, guys, pay attention to our fantastic interview with Brett Jones. So we are here with our guest today, Brett Jones. Brett, how are you doing today? Fabulous. How is it over there across the pond? It's a beautiful day, actually. Lovely day. It's actually a really nice day. We've got the sun, we've got a little bit of wind. Uh, for the last few weeks, it's been really hot here in the UK, so a nice breeze is actually uh, a good thing to have Yeah, we've for us. been sweating in the studio, haven't we? It's been crazy. Mm. Yeah, we've actually had a little bit of a cool spell, so we've had uh, a little break from the typical July heat, so uh, kind of the opposite end of the uh, spectrum there. And where are you at the moment? Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, the only thing I know about Pennsylvania, I don't know much about Pennsylvania, but all I know is the film Warrior is based in Pennsylvania. Yes, um, a it great, is. Absolutely. Have you seen that, Brett? Uh, we're talking about the old, oh, Warrior, uh, the Tom um, Hardy M- Tom MMA Hardy. film. Yeah. Um, yeah. I actually have not seen that yet, but yes, that that's in, um, I think that's in the Philly area, I believe. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Great film. Yep. I'm yep. going off subject. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's an awesome film. It's great. I love it. Seriously recommend seeing it. Like, I also have to say, one of the things that's really hit me when we first started talking to you, Brett, is what a fantastic voice you have got. <laughs> oh, well, I have a face for radio, so I had to uh, develop the voice uh, as well. You've yes. done. You've done well. You've done well. Seb's fantastic. Seb's struggling a little bit with his voice at the moment, as you might be able to hear. Call my voice. So, uh, Brett, for all our listeners who may not be in the world of FMS uh, and strength training as strongly as you are, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, your history, and your past, and who you are? Absolutely, uh, my favorite subject. The uh, <laughs> so, so I like to joke. Uh, well, we'll go way back. So I wrestled in high school and developed an interest in athletic training, uh, which is kind of like a sports physio. So I went to uh, get a bachelor's in sports medicine uh, from uh, High Point University. So I came out as a certified athletic trainer and went on to my uh, graduate program and uh, got a master's in rehabilitative sciences and uh, a clarion PA and then took my first job in the metropolis of Chatham, Virginia, uh, all of about 1,200 people uh, down there in Chatham, and just happens to be Gray Cook's hometown. So from 95 to 97, I worked directly with Gray uh, in his clinic and uh, also uh, at the school where I was an athletic trainer, where he was helping me uh, treating and rehabbing uh, my athletes. And uh, moved on from there to run a hospital fitness center in uh, Clarion, PA for five years. And one of the first things I did was uh, actually go to the first ever FMS workshop in 98 uh, at the old clinic in Danville, Virginia with Gray and Kyle Kiesel and Lee Burton and you know, all those guys. So I've been around and um, you know, worked directly with Gray and the gang uh, for a couple of years and uh, also have been using the screen and, and uh, working with it since 98. <clears throat> ran a hospital fitness center for five years and uh, during that time you know worked with you know every every kind of situation you can think of from stroke to neurological problems uh, joint replacements amputees um, uh, standard orthopedic issues like muscle strains and joint issues and you know just a uh, high school athletes I mean it was when you're the only show in a small town you tend to get uh, everybody uh, coming through the door yeah. And during that time, I had bought Pavel's uh, first, one of his first books, uh, Power to the People. 
And uh, the marketing machine kicked in, and I kept hearing about kettlebells, kettlebells, kettlebells. And I was like, oh, okay, now I got to look at, now I got to go look at this. And so I went to the, got one for Christmas in uh, 2001 and went to the second ever um, RKC in February of 02. And uh, February in Minnesota means we were uh, part of the time outdoors throwing water balloons at each other uh, in freezing temperatures and uh, having loads of fun. Um, the very, very different workshop than what we do now. Um, I can tell you that I woke up, uh, that was Friday night, uh, everything got kicked off and by Saturday morning I had trouble washing my hair <laughs> and that should tell you how long ago it was that I actually had hair to wash, uh, uh which I don't anymore. Um, so I was very sore the next day and had a, had a tremendous time. And then a year later, in uh, um, March of 2003, Pavel and I had kept in touch and had communicated some, and I decided to go to the Arnold uh, Fitness Classic in um, Columbus, Ohio, which is you know, a little bit of a drive away, but not too bad, and uh, went over there to um, spend some time at the booth with uh, Pavel and uh, the gang. And within about uh, 10 minutes of arriving, um, I was alone at the booth uh, running the... Uh, running the booth and doing the 40-kilo uh, military press challenge and uh, doing all kinds of stuff and was invited to be a, a uh, what at that time was called a senior instructor in uh, April of uh, 03. And uh, so I've been traveling and teaching and working with Pavel uh, ever since then. And in the process, put out uh, a DVD called Kettlebell Basics for personal trainers, uh, strength coaches and personal trainers with Michael Castro-Giovanni. And Gray Cook ends up getting this DVD, and he looks at it and he says, "Yeah, that can't be the same pot-bellied, you know, fanny pack wearing kid that was the athletic <laughs> trainer you know, down there in Chatham." And uh, sure enough, it was. Um, and we got back in touch, and I helped prepare Gray for when he went through uh, the RKC at the time <clears throat> in 2006, and went through and um, that led to us working very closely together from then on uh, the development of the Secrets of DVD series, the level two materials um, for FMS came out of that. And so I've been uh, heavily involved in working with, uh, with FMS since 2006 and traveling and teaching and, you know, all told between uh, uh, my time with Pavel and time with um, FMS, I've probably got 150 uh, workshops under my belt. Uh, at a certain point, I was traveling 28 to 30 plus times a year uh, teaching and uh, not sustainable because uh, I, I like to uh, have a life. Mm -hmm. And uh, so now it's uh, cut back on the travel a little bit. I'm doing a little bit more behind the scenes with FMS as far as Development of the curriculum, uh, DVD products, uh, things of that nature. So, uh, got some good stuff on the horizon. Yeah, we've. Um, but that's the way, way too expanded version of my life. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we started recording, you were just giving us a light, uh, good little chat about some changes that's happening within FMS, and we're really looking forward to maybe seeing what those are going to be. Um, but you were discussing about you took Gray through his, um, or you helped prepare Gray for his first um, hard style kettlebell certification. Gray, um, in some of the DVDs, and I've got a great one, um, an FMS DVD with Gray. He's up on stage speaking to loads of people, and he refers to you as being his go to guy for the kettlebells. What was it like preparing somebody who is an absolutely high class physiotherapist? You know, we know personally um, the type of people he works with, you know, some great. Um, um, high standard individuals who really rely on their bodies. What was it like to work with him and take him through the the cert? Well, and you know, having known Gray previously and worked with him and uh, reconnecting with him, uh, it was you know we we were good friends uh, from years ago, and that that reconnection just went uh, super smooth. And um, what he appreciated in the kettlebell was its ability to be so adaptable and really uh, assistive and corrective in getting uh, proper movement. Uh, he really appreciated Pavel's message of, uh, for example, in the Naked Warrior, um, you know, 
be sure you can do this exercise on your right and your left side, you know, symmetry of uh, strength and, and skill. So, you know, Gray already had a great appreciation and then it was just kind of filling in the gaps of uh, some of the form and technique. And Gray's one of those guys that uh, he has pushed his body hard uh, over the years and has a laundry list of injuries from uh, playing football and being a real active, uh, active kid. And so, you know, there, there again, the adaptability of the tools and techniques to uh, get him ready. So it was, it was great. But, you know, the old joke in the States is that the mechanics uh, car gets fixed last. And uh, I, th- I think physios fall into that category as well, where you're so busy taking care of other people that you end up accumulating some mileage and some stuff that, you know, if you were your client coming in, you'd handle it in a short period of time, but since you're busy taking care of everybody else, it tends to linger. So he's, he had some movement issues and some things that we had to work on um, just from previous injuries. And uh, so it was, it was really great to, to get together. And you know, that was a lot of the breathing, the focus on breathing and things like that came out of our, uh, our very early collaborations and getting he and Danielle, his wife, uh, ready for the, uh, for the kettlebell workshops. Oh, that's mega. And mm. how do you think, so going from um, all the work you did before and as of course Gray did regarding the rehab and helping the um, the specialized, working with fitness in the special community as in people who needed rehab and such like that, then going through the hard style uh, kettlebell certifications, how did using the kettlebells in the way that we've done, you know, the strength training and such, of being able to lift the weights correctly, safely, of course, but, you know, we're working on strength. How is that adapted into your rehab work? So the, one of the things to realize about Gray and, you know, I, I was a meathead and I mean, one of the first books on weightlifting I ever had was, of course, you know, Arnold's encyclopedia of bodybuilding. Um, <laughs> like a lot of yeah, I was going to say, you're not, to. Uh, you're not certainly not one of the first people yeah, to mention that. A lot of people have mentioned now. that. <laughs> oh my gosh. Book. I mean, uh, it's either Education of a Bodybuilder, which was, I think, his first book, and then you know, Encyclopedia Bodybuilding came after that. And my dad was into physical fitness and, and strength training and running, and uh, he made that accessible to my brother and I uh, when we were younger and, of course, in our wrestling and, and athletic days. So I had a background in you know, lifting weights and being strong before I ever became an athletic trainer. Gray actually moved from a sports medicine sort of program because he was interning in physical therapy school, interning with the athletic training sports medicine program and actually kind of shifted into the strength and conditioning world uh, with the strength coach at Miami and ended up, um, he has the United States weightlifting um, level one certification and he's, uh, he's actually kind of a big old meathead who uh, enjoys uh, strength training and performance and you know understands that the corrective work we do should be such a small percentage of of an overall program and so gray's appreciation for strength for what it means to train an athlete is probably a lot greater than a lot of people give him credit for just because he's made such a name for himself within movement screening and uh, corrective exercise and uh, within the rehabilitative world with the SFMA and uh, having a clinical model uh, for using movement to address pain and things of that nature. Um, probably what's been lost is is his true appreciation and knowledge uh, within <clears throat> the strength conditioning world. So uh, he's, he's, he's got a lot of tools as far as that's concerned. I mean, I, I think it's absolutely great how kettlebells and the FMS can combine together to you know, give people a workout, but also help them move better. Rehab is fantastic. I mean, I, I did my FMS last year. And um, it was with uh, Lee Burton and just the, just the emphasis on, you know, you don't need to lift this thing heavy. We don't need to do all these swings, just a very simple deadlift, single leg deadlift, Mm. a partial get up. I mean, I want to talk about Turkish get ups later, Uh, but it's it's just a brilliant thing how the both can actually combine to help somebody. Absolutely. It's the, it's really, uh, you got to meet somebody where they are. And within FMS, we're going to argue that by setting a movement baseline, you can more quickly find where that person is and where you need to target your efforts. And there's tons of kettlebell drills that uh, um, can be very assistive uh, in achieving great movement and 
so that you know the current marketing message within FMS is move often, move well, move often, <laughs> and uh, so you know in accomplishing that move well, that can be get ups, goblet squats, deadlifts, single leg deadlifts. Uh, you know the, the the goal is to be strong. Uh, the goal is not to spend um, you know all your time on fluffy um, corrective exercise. The goal is to get past that and achieve some pretty good numbers uh, as far as your strength tra- training is concerned. But that begins with uh, really some very simple simple concepts and simple uh, movements. Yeah. Well, there are probably uh, quite a number of people listening to this podcast who may not actually know uh, what the FMS is. Can you, uh, can you describe in a little bit more detail, break it down, explain uh, exactly what is FMS? Absolutely. So essentially what Gray and Kyle and um, a, a few others did was they, they sat down and thought, you know, what is a time-efficient way that we can look at human movement, not in an isolated fashion, not by doing you know, joint range of motions and things of that nature, but how do you move you uh, as a beginning point for looking at movement? So it's body weight, fundamental body weight movement competency. And basically what they came down with was about seven movements, uh, a squat, a step, a lunge, a leg raise, uh, a reciprocal reaching pattern to look at shoulder mobility, a trunk stability push-up, and uh, a rotary stability um, um, a screen on, uh, in quadruped. So, and then there's a few clearance tests in there because one of the big things we're looking for within the FMS is you can have movements that are painful or generate pain um, that you're really not aware of because mm-hmm. you kind of you naturally stay away from them. Your body's your body. I like to say your body's smart and dumb all at the same time. <laughs> uh, it does a really good job of certain things, and then it does a kind of a bad job at, at other times. But uh, one of the things we look for primarily. Uh, really, the two things we look for primarily within—I'm about to go into a Monty Python skit. Uh, the, <laughs> Sorry, the, I, lo- I the, love Monty Python. The Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> Our three main objectives. Um, Our four main objectives. <laughs> are. Uh, set me up again. Um, so we're really trying to find out if you have pain with any of these fundamental movements or clearance uh, test, and do you have any ones? And ones are what we consider inability to complete one of our movement patterns. And that tells us that you have a level of issue with your movement that really needs to be addressed. Within the, the, the people who take a first look at FMS are going to say, well, you know, everybody needs threes. And that's never been the goal. It's never been something that Gray or I have said. Mm-hmm. Um, for within the, uh, within the English language, we always have our exceptions to our rules. And there are a couple of athletic endeavors where I think shooting for threes could be assisted. But now we're talking about the very end of the bell curve, a very, very rare air um, for for some people. So people will spend all day debating whether it's a three or a two, ignoring the fact that there's a zero pain or a one inability to complete a movement pattern somewhere else on the screen. Mm -hmm. And that debate between the three or the two just kind of doesn't matter. So for the end user, for the person that's sitting there listening to this podcast going, um, what is this yank talking about? Um, it's, it's a way to, to look at how you move before we load you. Because we're going to argue that if you have pain or inability to move before we load you, I'm, it may not get better. It, it might not <laughs> be the best load. idea to start lifting something heavy. Then, might <laughs> yeah, you know, just set the movement baseline first. And then the great thing is you can go on an eight-week journey because um, people will always ask, well, what's, you know, okay, we did the screen, we have these numbers, now what? Yeah. Well, th- there's a few options. Option number one is do nothing. Get into your exercise program. Um, learn kettlebells. I know kettlebell instructors that have run, you know, eight, 12-week um, group kettlebell classes pre- and post-screening with FMS and see a typical improvement of two to three points on their FMS uh, screen just by teaching them good kettlebells, yeah. uh, a well-designed program where they're learning appropriately. Um, so, the, I mean, option one is just set the baseline. 
and get into your regular fitness routine. See what happens to your movement. Uh, option two, which I'm a bigger fan of, is you can very quickly address any weak links that you find with some pretty efficient uh, corrective exercise. And I think that's another one of the massive misinterpretations is, well, we're going to spend six months doing corrective exercise so we get your movement perfect. Um, no. <laughs> it's that would who's going to commit to doing that oh know? my god that would be a soul-sucking just uh <laughs> awful awful endeavor absolutely um you identify the weak link one of the things we tell you within our corrective programs you, you don't have to fix everything fix the right thing and if you'll fix the right thing usually a lot of other things will drop into line or you'll have a much easier time getting them to fall into line so find the weak link that you need to address, mm -hmm. and you should know that you can make a positive difference in that movement pattern within five to ten minutes. Yeah, but yeah, one one of the things then regarding the weak link, as you discuss, um, when you look at the FMS screening, the first well, one of the first movements you could do, and possibly looks like the the biggest one, is the overhead squat. Mm -hmm. um, and then one of the most minor movements you do is the um, active leg, uh, active straight leg raise. Uh, yep. for, so for people who um, haven't seen an FMS before, as you can imagine, an overhead squat, we're holding the bar above our head and squatting as deep as we can, trying to well, complete the movement. And the active straight leg raise is lying down on your back and lifting one leg up at, up at a time following the standards of the FMS. Now, if both of those, if the straight leg raise is a score of one, and if the overhead squat. overhead squat is also a score of one, the guys who like to work out, guys who like to gym it, maybe, um, you know, sports players as such, why would it be more important to work the active leg straight raise with them guys instead of doing all the overhead squat corrections? Why go for the leg raise first, the, the little thing, just lifting your leg up? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go back in time just a little bit uh, quickly because um, when I learned uh, the finalized FMS in 98 and learned the corrective strategies, uh, we went from the top down. <clears throat> we actually started with the deep squat and tried to address these large uh, movement patterns. What we and I hate to use the term functional because it's it's just one of those abused and overused uh, terms. Statement, isn't Completely, it? Yeah. yeah. But you know, the, you automatically recognize that we do stuff on both feet, we do stuff on a single leg, and we do stuff in this asymmetrical or you know split stance position. So when you look at those, you're like, well, obviously these are most important. And so that was the mindset early on. We we knew we had the movement patterns we needed to look at down pretty well. We knew that the seven tests were, were good. Uh, the corrective algorithm and, and strategies have changed greatly over the years. And when I learned it first in 98, it was go after the deep squat first. And we actually tried to use versions of the deep squat uh, to correct, quote, the, the, uh, the deep squat. And uh, it didn't work. <laughs> so, and we knew it didn't work because scores didn't change. So, you know, we had to start looking deeper into the idea that those big three, those top three patterns that people look at and they're like, oh, well, these are functional. Um, the, the building blocks, the pieces of what make up most of those movements are in those bottom four patterns. Mm -hmm. And so the way we look at it now is we have, a we have two fundamental mobility uh, screens. We have our active straight leg raise and shoulder mobility. And unfortunately, those usually get couched in, you know, well, the active straight leg raise is a hamstring test. And it has so little to do with your hamstrings. Yeah. Um, shoulder mobility. Well, you're looking at the shoulder. Uh, kind of. Um, <laughs> when I look at the active straight leg raise, what I'm looking at is, do you have control over your big quotation marks. I'm a big air quotes guy, so if we were on camera, I'd be <laughs> flashed to the air. We, we, the air we can imagine. <laughs> yeah, put, use, your, use your imagination. We will. Um, big quotation marks, do your core and your pelvis, uh, can you control those two areas so that you can move your legs efficiently? Yeah. Can you maintain extension on the down leg while you produce flexion on the other leg? It's not about your hamstrings. It's about how you control this movement pattern. When we look at the reciprocal reaching pattern of shoulder mobility, 
we're looking at how your big quotation marks, core, T-spine, scapula, glenoid, and upper arms, how do they work together in this reciprocal reaching pattern? Uh, they're reproducible. Uh, you can, you know, we've standardized them to make them repeatable. Uh, and if you can repeat something in a, in a certain manner, then you have some reliability in your evaluation or in your screening process. So we have those two fundamental mobility screens that are far more than what they look like. And they're named so everybody can recognize that is a straight leg raise. Oh, yes, I can, I can see that you're raising your leg. But there's much more involved uh, as far as what's in that movement pattern. So once you get past those fundamental mobility screens, we have two fundamental stability screens. We have our rotary stability screen. And you know everybody questions the deep squat, but everybody hates that rotary stability test. Um, going for a three is difficult. Um, we're actually spending a lot of time behind the scenes looking at that rotary stability screen and deciding if there's anything that we want to do with that uh, from a practical standpoint. I just, but, I, I uh, just want to make a comment. I can get a three on that. Attaboy. I'm a three. Uh, <laughs> I, I expect video on the interwebs. Excellent. I think that's I'll, a I'll great send, I'll idea. I'll send you videos, but I can't promise it's going to be a rotary <laughs> stability test. <laughs> Whoa, hey, I think we just went off topic. Um, so when you look at the, you know, the, the soft reflexive um, stability that we're looking at within the rotary stability test, we match that up with a little bit of a harder outer core, can you prevent extension, uh, trunk stability push-up. We go after mobility first because that's what you had first in the developmental process. You had great mobility. You could probably at a certain point as an infant, you could probably suck on your own toes and bend, you know, <laughs> yeah. fold you up, put you in a purse, and take you wherever we wanted to take you. I'm really small. Uh, you can probably still put me in a purse. <laughs> <laughs> I we'll, we'll have to see if Paris Hilton's up for that. Uh, so we go after that first because if you have reduced mobility, you have reduced proprioception, mechanoreception, you're going to have less information going up to command central, which means your stability is going to be impacted as well. And here's what usually bakes people's noodles is it's not to say you can't have a motor control issue within your mobility pattern. There may be times when your body is giving you stiffness because you lack stability slash motor control. So it can get a little more complicated, but from a basic standpoint, we wanted to have a really nice standard operating procedure that gave us a repeatable, consistent, reliable way of looking at movement. You can be as creative as you want on the back end. How you address it, do your thing. Be creative. Be awesome. Because we all bring different tools, techniques, experiences to working with people. Um, I think our correctives are pretty good, but I'm not married to them. Mm -hmm. um, you, you can be creative as you want on the back end. So you know, as you go through and you look at something like people recognize the deep squat and they're like, wow, that's, that's got to be important. It's the last thing on the corrective algorithm. And we put it last because if we do a good job correcting the other stuff, your squat should come back, not be forced. And so, and I've seen it happen many times where you fix a shoulder mobility or, an, or a leg raise and actually three other movement patterns in the screen will change or improve. Yeah. And um, so, you know, that, that's, that's kind of why we have the algorithm built uh, the way it is. Cool, cool, cool. Um, we've got some facts for you, Brett. Oh boy. Random About, American uh, facts. Random American facts. <laughs> hey, Brett, did you know that in the U.S. there are 97 people called LOL? I was unaware of that. And that's got quotation marks around it. That's quotation. So you know what, the, what I mean by lol is laugh out loud when people put on their text messages and all that rubbish. So I just yes. thought you'd need to know that. But I think what you really need to know as well is that in Texas, there is a small town called Ding Dong. And in 1990, well, the population was only 22 people. So there were I'd love to know how many people there are now. Uh, well, we, we do have... Uh, uh, Climax, Pennsylvania. Climax, Pennsylvania. <laughs> that <laughs> is an awesome. I want to go to Climax. Seb, you want to live I want to visit Climax. <laughs> oh, okay, yes. I, I have one more for you. I'll give you one more now. I'll give you some more later. Since we're talking about towns, um, 
In the United States, there are three towns that have the name Santa Claus. Well, he's he's important. Uh, I think he deserves to have a town or two uh, named after him. Oh, three. <laughs> exactly. So uh, let's talk again about your work with you and Graeme. Let's talk about the work you know you guys have also done. You two guys have released um, a small little series of some great manuals and great instructional works. Uh, we've got Dynami, Kettlebells from the Centre. We've also got Kettlebells from the Ground Up, Part 1 and Part 2. Um, Kalo, I can't, let's see if I pronounce this correct. Kalos. Stenos? Uh, Kalos Stenos. Kalos Stenos. Word, yep. um, and you call them the old school strength series. Um, why those names? I mean, those are pretty... I, I, I tried looking up on Google what those names actually mean. I couldn't find it. Well, isn't it Ka Kalos Stenos, the, the word for beautiful strength in Greek or something is like that? Is your name Brett? Yeah, it is. No, yeah, it is. shut up. <laughs> Sorry, mate. Sorry. <laughs> carry, on, carry on, Brett. Apologies. <laughs> we we are slipping into a Monty Python skit. We are. <laughs> I, I came here for an argument. No, you didn't. <laughs> I love that. Time's um, up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Insults are down the hall. Um, <laughs> I watched uh, uh, their last live show at uh, the cinema. Yeah, did you know that, Brett? They actually came back together to do some final uh, live shows last week in the UK. I, There'll probably I be a so, DVD, I imagine. But, I. Yeah. I so look forward to that because one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life was a, re a reunion show years ago on HBO with Robert Klein as the moderator. Yeah. And um, Graham Chapman, of course, has passed. Yeah. 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 And so they brought an urn out with his picture on it. <laughs> and they sat it in the chair so that Graham Chapman was there. And at a certain point, somebody, uh, probably John Cleese, makes a grandiose arm gesture and knocks the urn over. So there's ashes all over the place. There's a butler that comes out with a shop vac and they're, they're shop vacing ashes and they're putting ashes under a rug. And, you know, this is five minutes of Monty Python at their best and, and really a, a tribute to, uh, to Graham Chapman, who, as John Cleese said, adored bad taste. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, it was, at the oh, funeral, so John Cleese gave a great speech, and at the end, he goes, But it's all lies. I'm glad the bastard's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Only your friends such an amazing can get show. away with that. <laughs> exactly, yes. Definitely. But the one thing they didn't do, they didn't do um, Ministry of Silly, Silly Walks. Oh, they didn't, that's they just they had a little bit of a dance, but they didn't actually do it. I was really disappointed. Well, they're getting on a bit now. They are. Well, yeah, I was about John to Cleese say, actually uh, looked, um, looked like he was struggling a little bit at times. <laughs> yeah, some of those uh, silly walks actually required a good bit of athleticism. Yeah, I, he probably um, couldn't do it. <laughs> so steer, steering back into the uh, <laughs> okay, naming if of the product. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, in our work with uh, Dr. Ed Thomas. Um, who is a physical education uh, historian, physical education. Uh, he has his doctorate in physical education, is the head of physical education for the state of Iowa, uh, and is really an expert in military, uh, physical preparedness, and physical education of youth, and is really an old-school historian. Uh, he's, he has a library at his house that is uh, amazing, uh, first editions and Every time I think I'm getting fancy or creating something, I go pull up the 1569 copy of Mercury Alice's De Arte Gymnastica, and I realize that, oh, yes, this has been done before. <laughs> um, so he he kind of worked with us a little bit, and Kalos Stenos, Beautiful Strength, is actually the root for the old Greek word for calisthenics. So calisthenics, what we think of as just body weight exercise. Mm -hmm. uh, was a more expansive uh, form of exercise within within ancient uh, techniques, and calisthenics or calisthenics was uh, was the root. So we decided that the get up was a great example or expression of beautiful strength or a calisthenic, uh, where you're moving your body, yep. uh, even though it's against some resistance. And so, dynami is actually an ancient Greek uh, for power, and the the, the dynamic product leads you through the process of building a swing and a push press, uh, which are, should be and can be very accessible to a wide variety of people for power training, but we lay a path uh, towards getting there uh, within the product. And um, so the, the names were somewhat collaborative between um, some influence from Dr. Thomas and Gray being Gray and uh, being creative. 
And uh, I just lift, I pick things up and put them down. I was just kind of the uh, the, the guy behind the scenes uh, lifting the, the weights. But um, so that that's how we came up uh, with, with the names of the products. And, um, you know, the Get Up product uh, probably sparked off a, a lot of debate uh, in what the proper uh, get up is. Mm. And um, that, that always kind of is, is amusing to me um, because we never said only do your get up this way. I, I think we actually begin the product with me doing a hundred pound get up on each side and saying, now we're ready to get started. Um, so, <laughs> you know, that kind of got missed. And we got lost in the minutiae of the high bridge and the precision of your hand has to go exactly here, your foot has to go exactly here. And when I teach people, I tell them there's never an excuse for being out of position during the get up because you can fix it at every step. Yeah. Um, it's there is no you know, there's there's a blueprint. There's things we're looking for, but made uh, specific to the individual and their body structure and what they need. Mm-hmm. Well, that's really interesting you say that about, um, as you say, Kalos, Kalos Stenos being well done. Cal- calisthenetics, because here in the UK, that's become a great big buzzword now, and all every video or every picture that's associated with it are people doing pull-ups, press-ups, squats, you know, and variation of body weight stuff. Uh, but as you described, it also could have a component of the Turkish get-up. Now, I, I love the Turkish get-up. I think it's a great thing to do. Why should people do the Turkish get-up? Or should everybody do the Turkish get-up? Are there some populations who maybe shouldn't? Uh, well, you're always going to run into people at the ends of the bell curve that for whatever reason, uh, medical condition, uh, whatnot, uh, they're not gonna, certain exercises are not going to be accessible to them. But I can tell you that working with an aging population um, just to go there first, working with an aging population, their number one fear is falling. Yep. Their number two fear is not being able to get up if they do fall. And so the get up is simply, I look at it as simply life training. Um, if you get down, how do you get back up? And not to say that Grandma Betty is going to fall and then pick up a weight, put it overhead and, and get up. Uh, but the ability to go through even a body weight getup gives people um, who may be fearful of falling or, or ending up on the ground, it gives them the ability to know that they're going to be able to safely and effectively transition from the ground to standing uh, in a safe manner. So it, it's just training for life. And you know, we, in our modern conveniences, and um, we, we don't have to you know, nobody eats sitting on the ground anymore. We always have a chair available. We always have, you know, uh, something nearby uh, that we can we can sit in. So that ability to be confident, to get to the ground, get back up, uh, is an essential skill that nobody should ever lose. Um, you know, adapt- adaptations are always possible, but um, specific to the individual. So from an athletic standpoint, it is a tremendous way to build a stable, reactive shoulder and big quotation marks core uh, as you transition through so many different planes of motion and you move this weight and your body around in this coordinated fashion from being on the ground to standing. Um, there's, there's just a, a, a tremendous amount of benefit mm-hmm. um, within that movement. And I, I would argue that outside of those very rare exceptions, yeah, everybody should be doing some form of get up. Yeah. I have, uh, I've been doing a lot of get ups recently. I really, I think it's a fantastic movement. I absolutely, absolutely love it. However, uh, I've recently also, I've had shoulder problems in the past, um, maybe a little bit of mobility, but I wonder if you could give me some advice. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit now, because I've recently just started having a little bit of pain in my shoulder when doing the, uh, overhead press the military press but not in the get-up i feel fine in the get-up it's only in the press do i keep continuing to do get-ups or not do i go back look at a functional screen what's your advice so number one is you're having pain and we need to get that looked at cool so a clinician of your choice um physio uh, massage therapist chiro um 
whatever your flavor is, I, I think you should have somebody look at that and just make sure that you don't have something unusual going on. Mm-hmm. Overhead pressing's out for the moment because yep. it hurts to do it. But if we were to backtrack just a little bit, what was your programming? Uh, how, how were you training the overhead press? Because if your volume was a little too high or you started pushing a little too heavy and got some maybe some form modifications, uh, maybe the answer is as simple as taking some time off to let things calm down yep. and then looking at your programming and making sure you um, are a little – take a longer range approach and a lower volume approach uh, in building your press. Would certainly do an FMS screen. I would certainly look at uh, what has potentially been impacted by the pain mm-hmm. or potentially finding some weak links that uh, you know if your T-spine mobility – um, slash shoulder mobility was less than optimal. You know that could be, certainly be impacting. If your active straight leg raise is off, then your ability to level your pelvis is going to be challenged, which is actually going to influence your uh, your military press. Um, is your trunk stability push up challenge? Because if you're unable to prevent extension and during an overhead movement, you're probably going to fall into into some extension. You'll challenge your shoulder in a different way. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's a lot of different avenues that, that we could go down, and we won't know which one until, A, you get the pain evaluated. Uh, B, we take a look at your programming and what you shouldn't be doing at the moment and what you should be doing. And I'll probably argue that if get-ups don't hurt, uh, cause no pain at all, I would probably go a little bit lighter, a little bit lower volume until I know exactly what's going on with the shoulder, but then uh, continue to, to train and move in those uh, motions that do not hurt. And then, you know, FMS screen, let's find out what tunnel we need to go down. Awesome. Uh, Seb, you're going to have to put me through an FMS again. Yeah, man. There you I'll, go. I'll, I'll send you the bill. Send him a bill. I, I'm forever cooking for this guy. And he says, I, I drive bill. you everywhere, you creature. Um, <laughs> here we go, Brett. Here's another fact for you. Um, let me ask you a question first, though, before I tell you this fact. Do you have um, internet at where you work? I do. You do. Okay. So one survey found that 25% of all U.S. employees that have internet access in work visit pornography websites. Brett? <laughs> I am not in the 25%. Funny, because that's what the other 24% said as well. Oh, no, go on. Carry on. Well, well played, sir. <laughs> he, he stitched you right up there, uh, didn't he? But here's, yeah. here's another one, actually. I mean, um, you know, I'll just mention this and then we'll move on to some questions that some of our uh, listeners have sent in specifically for you. Medical errors are the sixth leading cause of death in the U.S. Frightening, but true. Wow. I well, don't know yeah. what else to say. <laughs> there's not there's not really much more you can you can say on that <laughs> although although the uh, the hundred acres of pizza served in the u.s every day might have something to do with why so many people are in hospital i don't know well i'm <laughs> i'm actually planning on my little piece of that pie um <laughs> at some point so <laughs> you're going to contribute to that hundred acres awesome absolutely cool. so here's some questions for some of our uh, listeners who are you know really excited to ask you and get your opinion on some things um and we got one from a, a good pal of mine, Colin, Colin Stewart. Now, as we know, you do quite a bit of stuff with Indian clubs. And his question is, Indian clubs seem to be a large part of what you do. Why do you think we don't see more people practicing with half-pound clubs? The one of the – so just to, to go roundabout on this, when you look at the ancient gymnastics me- methods – um, you can look back at the Greeks. You can look back at uh, a gentleman named P.H. Ling who was uh, kind of the founder of the Swedish system of uh, medical gymnastics, which became physical therapy. And P.H. Ling also gave us um, um, massage, our modern day. You know, If you've had a Swedish massage, you can thank this uh, guy named P.H. Ling. Um, there was an Italian system. There was a, a the, um, the Brits had a a brilliant system that was a combination of things they brought back from India. And one of those things was Indian clubs. Um, I'm a kettlebell guy. I'm a power lifter. I bend nails. I, I do all kinds of stupid, heavy stuff. So I don't need another, I don't need another something heavy. Uh, Indian clubs for me are a restorative art that works on my 
having an efficiently integrated mobile upper body. It helps me work on my coordination and it's restorative. It's, it's fun. It's a moving meditation. It's, um, it's, it's, it's really a lot of, it's really a lot of fun. And uh, we really, uh, here in the States, uh, we, we definitely have to thank, um, the, the British military for bringing that back. And in fact, um, within the, I think it's the Royal Marines, um, the physical training instructors are still called the clubs, um, regardless of how much they're being used at, uh, at this point. So I use light clubs and I champion the use of light clubs, uh, one to two pound because I, I have enough heavy. Uh, I needed something that was restorative. I needed something that helped me with my coordination, um, and and certainly uh, the Indian club swinging, uh, as I've learned from Dr. Ed Thomas, uh, has been a, a really important part of that. So uh, I'm a huge fan, and I, I think that uh, the more people uh, could possibly embrace the fact that a one pound club um, can be a, a tremendous tool. Uh, for their um, upper body integration, efficiency, mobility, uh, for their coordination, uh, I think they would be much better off. Awesome. Okay, uh, question coming in from Roger. Uh, is there anything you'd change or add to your extremely popular SFG prep program? Wow. Um, probably more pictures of me. <laughs> I think I think that Absolutely, would be helpful. Absolutely, mate. Definitely. <laughs> Actually, it's... I, what I've tried to do over time is just keep up with the changes in the workshop. You know, we transitioned into being primarily a, a double kettlebell uh, workshop, although we still you still practice and learn with a single bell and progress towards double bells within the workshop. So I have that built into the program now. Uh, the snatch test prep is built into the program now, so that we have um, kind of an integrated program instead of having to figure out both. So. I'm still pretty happy with the program. Um, I think that as long as you start where you are, yeah. Um, you know, some people, you know, yeah, the goal was 24 kilo and double 24 kilo, blah blah blah. Some people are going to be starting with 12 or 16 kilo bells, and you just have to be willing to take that journey. Yeah, so you just got to work your way up, haven't you? Exactly. Awesome, Seb. Cool, cool. Okay, we got uh, another one from Roger. What are the biggest misconceptions you encounter about the FMS? Well, we, we kind of touched on a few of them. Um, one is the, the the focus on total score, uh, which um, you know, within a research standpoint, it's been looked at, and and um, but I, I pay very little attention to total score. I think it's the uh, the the mindset of you need threes. Um, I've been screening people since 98. I've never seen a 21. Um, Gray has seen a handful in, in the years that he's been doing it and working with some very high-level athletes. Um, so that, that focus towards the, the overall score, and uh, I see lots of threes. Hmm. Well, if you see lots of threes, then I know you're not screening correctly. <laughs> um, is, is, 21 is the, is the best you can get, right? It is. Yeah, it is. Um, so those are two big ones. I, I think the all you do is correctives uh, mindset is another big one that I see as a misperception. Um, creating kind of pseudo clinicians who think they can treat pain. Um, we are extremely clear within the FMS that if you find pain, you should refer it out mm -hmm. and get it addressed. Um, work with your clinicians, work with your physicians uh, to make sure that people receive the best care possible. Um, so you know, th those are kind of some, some top misperceptions. And um, yeah, that, cool. that, that's good enough. Okay, and then one, one last question for me, because uh, you're mostly known as being an FMS guy, one of the top guys in FMS, uh, one of the top masters in the Strong First Kettlebell community. Uh, you're also a certified strength and conditioning coach. Um, you're a very strong guy. You you bend. You, you're into the nail bending. You have you yourself have bent the red nail. But doing a little bit of research, having a look at your blog page, appliedstrength.blogger.com, I noticed on your favorite books you have the Tar of Pooh. Now, I don't want to be rude about that. I mean, as in Winnie the Pooh. Correct. T A O. So yeah, yep. and P W O H. Um, 
Why that book? Because I've read it myself, but why? Um, it's it's mindset. It is uh, it's, it's it's a great way to. Uh, uh, well, I had uh, questions about Taoism, uh, and you know, it seems like a childish way uh, to find out about uh, that particular philosophy. Um, but it worked for me as far as gaining a little bit of understanding there. And I think that um, one of the things we struggle with as a species, as a, uh, you know, the human race, uh, we have a really hard time accepting things um, as they are. And I think that's something that, uh, th- that's good within that book. And uh, you know, I love the examples of, of Winnie the Pooh and, you know, asking piglet you know what day is it it's it's thursday it's uh, well that's my favorite day um you know just that be happy where you are and accept not that you're not it i guess the duality is it's not that you can't be driving and striving and 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 challenging yourself but accepting where you are and being happy where you are is always something that uh i think we could do better with so i just really enjoyed the book and and thought it was great for a mindset and uh, you know you you look at your different characters like Tigger and you know the the person who jumps without without thinking and Eeyore who uh, has never had a good day and uh, <laughs> that's you know, you in itself that's me. <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to recognize people and you're going to you're going to see people reflected back uh, within a very um, easy to understand uh, work so i i just i i thought it was really good yeah i'm gonna have to find my copy and have another yeah. look at it because uh, when yeah. i when i noticed that it was just like yeah i've read that but it's just so strange um awesome oh did you know did you know brett that um <laughs> one out of every seven americans has at least 10 credit cards uh sadly uh that is a, a shockingly true and sad statistic well how about this one the average u.s citizen drinks the equivalent of more than 600 sodas each year i'm, I'm glad to say i am not part of that group well, someone, that someone's is, drinking your soda someone's drinking your, 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 uh, I, I tell you what that's scary yeah. Brett, it has been fantastic to talk to you. Um, we're going to have, you know, in just another couple of minutes, we're going to have another little chat for our Strength Matters Extra podcast. Again, this is for our members who have joined in the Strength Matters community and kind of the the extra stuff we have behind uh, back doors. If you want to know how to be a part of that community, guys, go on to kettlebellfever.com. Kettlebellfever.com. You can find out more how you can join the Strength Matters Extra club, guys, to find out what Brett has got to say about certain things we're going to be chatting about. But Brett, where can people find out more about you? There's the blog page I just mentioned, appliedstrength.blogger.com. Yeah, appliedstrength.blogspot, uh, appliedstrength.com. 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 Uh, uh, what, we'll um, what about the old uh, face in the book and uh, Twitter? Book of faces. Uh, <laughs> it's just uh, Brett Jones. And um, I think I'm the profile picture at the moment is Gray and I teaching. You can see the back of our t shirts that kind of move well, uh, move often, move well, move often. God, when am I going to get that right? Um, <laughs> keep practicing, mate. Keep practicing. Keep, I'm, I'm going to work on that. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I do have a Twitter account, uh, Brett E. Jones. Um, middle initial thrown in there because apparently there's another Brett Jones somewhere who yeah, was on quite, Twitter before I was. It's quite a few of them. We'll hunt them down, don't anyway. We'll get rid of them. <laughs> Seb will get them for Excellent. us. Uh, and what about YouTube? Do you do uh, a YouTube at all? I have a YouTube account that uh, is old. Uh, there's some old powerlifting videos on there, some uh, squat and uh, primarily squat videos, uh, which uh, at the time, I was trying to get them out there for people like Mark Rifkin and and some friends of mine to give me some some advice uh, on squatting uh, at the time. So um, that was uh, it's uh, just search me. Uh, you'll come up with like a 2007 Danish RKC uh, show reel and. Uh, some squat videos and things like that. So yeah, see, cool. I've seen the show. It was great, but in all honesty, Brett, for me and everybody else, I think get a grip of your life, sort some videos out, get it up there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Want to see more? Want to see more? <laughs> and again, guys, you can find out more of Brett's work with the kettlebells from the ground up edition one and two and Dynami. Some great reads. I really recommend you get it. Brett, any last words for our listeners? 
Just a uh, pleasure to be on, honor to be uh, on, and uh, look forward to the uh, extras here. Still pleasure agree. having you, mate. Brett, thank you very much. Say goodbye. 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 <laughs> bye, 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 bye. <laughs> thank you very much, Brett, for giving your time to talk to us. Brett is a very busy guy, uh, so we did actually have to cut the inter- uh, interview quite short because he was running away to do some more work with some guys. So everybody who submitted questions via the Facebook page, that is uh, Ben... Paddy, Eric, Mark, Paul, James, uh, who else we got? Tim Beaumont, Tim, uh, Paul, oh, you said Paul, Mike Linda, uh, John Scott. Guys, we're going to try to get these questions over to Brett over the next month or so to get him to answer them. So we've not forgotten about you. It's just he's a very busy guy and he very kindly gave us about an hour Absolutely. of his Absolutely. Well, hopefully we might be getting him back on the podcast in the future so we can ask him then if we don't get answered before then. And if we can't, you're going to have to wait until possibly a year November, as he said, uh, November 2015. Yep. Hopefully he's going to be here back in the UK. Absolutely. We want to say a shout out and hello to all our SFGs and everybody else. And we want to thank everybody again for leaving us reviews but guys if you haven't left us a review on itunes and if you have been enjoying these podcasts can we please ask and i hate the groveling and asking for things on purpose but no but they really really help they so. really help if you could just leave us a review of anything you want to say you know what i don't care what but put down a <laughs> review okay good hopefully uh, a good review a good please review. but what it will do is when we get more reviews it kind of bumps up the placement of where we are within the rankings of yep. the podcast list what that means is more people looking for this type of information hopefully quality information with a bit of a giggle as yep. well will be able to find us not so much find us but find the people who we are talking to because as you yeah it's not about gathered, us it's about who we're speaking to yeah as it? you gathered we are speaking to some amazing great people and we want to share the message that they've got so if you can guys remember to to like us on Facebook, share us or retweet us on Twitter. Twitter. Um, Review us on iTunes. And also share us as well, guys. That would be absolutely mega. Absolutely. Uh, Remember, go to KB Fever and enter your details to hear and find out more. Be one of the first to know about the Strength Matters magazine. More information coming out over the future episodes. And also go to uh, attendstrengthmatters.com for the Strength Matters Summit. Mega stuff. I think that's it, guys. I think Thank you very much for coming to join us. Uh, you can find out more about Josh via Twadger. That is on... J. Kennedy Fitness. Fantastic. And you can find out more about me in your dreams. <laughs> Take care. Catch you. <laughs> Say goodbye, Josh. Goodbye, Josh. Goodbye. Thanks for joining us on the Strength Matters podcast. Be sure to check back next week for another exciting episode. For a full breakdown of every show and links to resources mentioned, head on over to our website, www.kettlebellfever.com. 